0: What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Thank you for checking out the pod. It's a loaded one. Damian Lillard finally got traded. He's with the Bucs. We're going to be breaking down that trade as well as getting you ready for the upcoming weekend filled with football, both NFL and college. Like I said, it's a loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Amidst all the buzz between the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors, the Milwaukee Bucks are the winners of the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. This is all on the heels of Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo's interesting comments that may have sparked some interesting trade rumors about him being on the move to Miami or New York or wherever, right? And ultimately, I think those comments are what led to this trade, right? You know, a few weeks ago on a podcast, Giannis comes out and said, I'm a Milwaukee buck, but most importantly, I'm a winner. If there's a better situation for me to win the Larry O'Brien, I have to take that better situation. These are the words by Giannis that I believe sparked this trade. Okay, the Bucks land the biggest star available in the offseason. They let go of Drew Holiday to do it. A guy who was an important piece of that 2021 NBA Finals team. Okay, This was an all-in move after the Bucks were upset in the first round of the playoffs this last year. As the number one seed against Miami. Yes, I know. Giannis missed a couple of those games. But still, this is an all-in move. They move off of a really good player to make this happen. Which I love. Expectations were set by Giannis. He wants to compete for championships year in and year out. And they're going to be able to do that this year. But here's the thing. Here's where this trade gets really interesting. What about in two years? When Lillard's contract jumps to a ridiculous amount of money, when Damian Lillard, who's 35, he's currently 33, when he's 35, he's going to make $58.5 million. When he's 36, he's going to make $63 million. Most small guards don't continue to be great at those ages. But if you want the bright side of things, Steph Curry, 35 right now showing no signs of slowing down. Okay, People have no doubt in Steph Curry's ability. We don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. They're similar players. Steph Curry, obviously, the better one, though. Either way, the championship window is right now, just looking at this roster as a whole. Brooke Lopez is 35. Chris Middleton's 32, coming off of a bad injury. He didn't look great last year in the 20-something games that he played. When looking at the eight best players on this Bucks roster, only two of them are in their 20s. That's Giannis and Bobby Portis. Now, look, I'm not going to call this roster old because I don't think it's old. It's a lot of guys, like, early 30s. But this roster, it's definitely aging, okay? Like, here within, like, the next two years, Brooke Lopez is going to be done. Who knows what Chris Middleton is going to look like? Who knows what Pat Connaughton is going to look like? Okay, the window for this team to win titles is this year and next year. And after that, due to these new salary cap rules and just the way that everything is going to work with the new salary cap, it's going to be really tough for them to retool this roster because not only will they be paying Damian Lillard a bunch of money, they're going to be paying Giannis a whole bunch of money in that time period as well. So here in the next two years, you know they're going to have their opportunity to win an NBA title. And after that, we'll see how it goes. Moving on to the Phoenix Suns, they add depth. Okay, the Suns are the most talented team in this league when we look at the three best players. You're not going to find a better big three in the NBA than the, than, than the Phoenix Suns. Okay, but the main concern for this team was the depth of the roster. Okay, They had their three guys, and they had Eric Gordon, and that was it. Okay, Now they've added Grayson Allen, who's going to be a solid option for them. Probably going to start, I would assume, in that small fourth spot, but we'll see. They bring in Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. They lose DeAndre Ayton. But they bring in Yosef Nurkic. If he can stay healthy, he should be fine in the center spot. But I'm more excited about this team now. Okay, Let's look at the pieces that they've brought in. Nasir Little is a young, long wing who can get minutes if he can defend. Shot 37% from three last year. That was a career high. He seems to be developing. Could be a really solid 3-and-D presence for the Suns. Keon Johnson, big 6'5", hyper-athletic guard. His size and athleticism should allow him to be a decent defender this season with the amount of scoring that the Suns have on their roster. They should be able to hide him on the offensive end because he's not a great shooter, only shot 35% from three last year. He has some offensive skill as a playmaker and a guy getting to the rim, but he has to have the ball to make these things happen. And as long as Beal, Durant, or Booker are on the floor, those guys are going to have the basketball. So if he can develop the jump shot a little bit, he should get a decent amount of minutes uh, and add some depth to that guard spot. And then finally, Grayson Allen, who we all know, well-known role player, decent defender. I think he struggles from time to time, especially in off-ball situations. But he's a career 40% three-point shooter. He's going to be able to space the floor for the big three. Um, and I just I can't wait for the big moments when he's going to wave off Durant, Booker, and Beal to take, to take the shot. And everyone's going to stare in disbelief, and it's going to be great. Cannot wait to watch these new look Suns, and then finally the team that dealt away the superstar, the seven-time All Star, the Portland Trailblazers. I like what they've come away with so far, but they aren't quite done yet. Okay, they bring in DeAndre Ayton, 25-year-old center, former number one overall pick. They bring in Tumani Kamara. Okay, he's going to be a rookie, and then they also get a 2029 20, first-round pick, and then 2028 20, and 2030 pick swaps. None of those have any sort of restriction on them. Here's the issue with those swaps in that pick. They're all from the Bucks. Okay. And I don't know if I'd want picks from the Bucs, especially if I know Giannis is going to be there. And with this trade that they made, Giannis is more likely to stay there long term now. Okay, when it comes to the players, though, let's just be really honest. No one cares about the addition of Kamara. He's a 23 year old rookie out of Dayton, taking 52nd overall. He could log some minutes off the bench as like a rebounder defender, maybe. But let's be honest, People are, we're, we're going to be paying attention to what DeAndre Ayton looks like. He's the big headline in this for the Portland Trailblazers, and I think this is a good addition for them. Since Ayton was drafted with the first overall pick, he's been stuck in this win-now situation in Phoenix where Chris Paul and Devin Booker have dominated the ball, and he's been stuck in this role where you know he sets screens and he rolls through the rim. He's been in this rim-running, rebounding, and rim-protection role, and he hasn't had the freedom that he needs in order to develop as an offensive player. He should have that in Portland. Don't get it twisted, though. Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp, they're going to lead the way. They're going to be the primary ball handlers. I don't expect DeAndre Ayton to get 12 post-touches a night, but he's going to get more touches outside of, here, set this screen for Chris Paul or Devin Booker and run to the rim, and if you're open, we'll pass it to you. Or, hey, if you really want to score, grab an offensive rebound. That's not going to be his role. He's actually going to have some freedom. To do more than that. And Scoot Henderson, speaking of the screen and roll, he appears to be a really good screen and roll ball handler. So I'm really excited to see how that develops between those two guys. And in what seems to so far be what I would say an okay haul for the Trailblazers, they aren't done yet. They're already looking to move Drew Holiday. And, look, they're not going to get as big of a return for Holiday as the Pelicans did, but he's still a really valuable player. Okay, Teams are always looking to add a good two-way player And teams that immediately come to mind when thinking about this, the Dallas Mavericks, okay, they need some sort of perimeter defender. The Clippers really need a point guard. The Knicks need a perimeter defender to put beside R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson. Uh, The Boston Celtics, I'm sure would love to add him, especially with all the Malcolm Brogdon issues. It's going to be interesting to see who comes away with him. But, like, the Blazers, like, they've got another piece here that they can turn into something else. And we won't really know... Who won the trade? Until that happens, and it's the question as old as time. Who won the trade? I'll be honest; I don't know. It's gonna be really interesting because both the Suns and the Bucks they're in this win now mode where they need to win a title within the next two years before, you know, Kevin Durant gets old and before Damian Lillard gets old and becomes really, really expensive. And so, if one like if one of these two, if one of these two teams win the title, then they're the winner of the trade. Um, and the other thing is, as I said, like we don't know what the Blazers are going to get for holiday. But if, as of right now, they've cleared some cap space. They added a first-round pick. They got some pick swaps. They got a good young player, DeAndre Ayton. Like This is one of the few trades where it feels like all three teams are walking away feeling better about either where their organization is right now or where their organization is headed. Because a lot of times in these trades, it's just like, oh, he was going to walk. Like At least we got something. Nobody feels like that. All three of these teams walking away feeling much, much better about who they are and who they're going to be down the road. October 24th, that's the start of the NBA season. Preseason starts on October 5th. Can't wait for it. Cannot wait for the start of the season. It is right around the corner. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into college football this weekend. Should be really good. Hope you're excited for it. I know I am. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. All right, let's do my picks for college football this week. I went 3-4 and four last week, scaled it back a lot. There aren't nearly as many good games this week as there were last week, so we have less picks. Only three picks this week. Uh, like I said, not a ton of great, like, ranked matchups. USC plays Colorado. That game shouldn't be close. I think people have really pulled back on the Colorado hype after the way they got absolutely torched last week against the Ducks. Uh, Florida plays Kentucky. Kentucky's favorite in that one, even though Florida's ranked. We'll kind of see what happens there. A&M plays Arkansas. Those games are always crazy. You know, Georgia plays Auburn. Meh. Kansas plays at Texas. Meh. I mean, just not a ton of great games, but there are a few starting tomorrow night. Another big Pac-12 game. Utah going on the road to take on the Oregon State Beavers. Utah ranked 10th in the country right now, according to the AP poll. Oregon State coming off a loss to Washington State. Ranked 19th, Oregon State is favored by 3.5 in this one, which is just really, really surprising. Uh, the over-under here here set at 44.5. And, and if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know I am not a big fan of Utah. okay? But I was absolutely shocked to see them as the underdog in this game. Okay, I like Oregon State. I think Jonathan Smith, no relation, is building a really good program in Corvallis. But I have no faith in DJ Uwe Anglele. Okay, he looked really good in their first three games. There was kind of this idea of okay, DJ figuring it out up there in Corvallis. Let's see what these let's see what Oregon State's got. But then last week, in his first game against a Power Five opponent, he was nothing but awful. Seventeen for thirty-four with a touchdown and an interception, and that was against Washington State. Imagine, just imagine with me for a second, what is this Utah defense gonna do to him? This Utah defense is nasty. They get after the quarterback. They make plays. They force turnovers. Utah, this defense is going to eat him alive. Okay, and I like Utah to win outright on the back of their defense. They did it last week against UCLA. They won that game because of their defense. Pick six on the first play from scrimmage. The offense only scored seven points. Cam Rising, not back yet. Could be back on Saturday. We'll see what happens. Either way, though, Utah is winning this football game. And given that the line is 3.5 in Oregon State's favor, that tells me that Vegas doesn't think that Cam Rising is going to be back. Okay? I like Utah's defense. I think it continues to play well. Give me Utah winning this game outright 21-17. DJ Uyunglele turns the ball over a couple times and costs the Oregon State Beavers the game. Also, 21-17, that means I'm taking the under. I don't think this game quite hits the 44.5. The next ranked matchup that we have here, LSU going on the road to good old Oxford, Mississippi, number 13 LSU at 20th ranked Ole Miss. Get ready for a high scoring game, folks. Over-under on this game, set at 67 and a half. Okay, LSU favored by two and a half points. That means that they're thinking this game's gonna be like 38, 35, all that type of stuff. Like I said, a lot of points, a lot of touchdowns. And I don't know how either of these teams is going to get a stop. I have no idea. Both offenses are high powered. Neither of these secondaries are great. You know, I expect both Jaden Daniels and Jackson Dart to have big days throwing the football. Okay. LSU, more talented on defense. They got a couple NFL bodies in their front seven, but that second that secondary is absolutely atrocious. It's awful. And that doesn't really bode well for them considering that they have to play against Lane Kiffin who's going to expose this secondary. Make no mistake about it, I think they bounced back really well after having played a really good, really tough Alabama defense last week. Well, what about the Ole Miss defense, right? I mean, they're not very good either. You're right, they're not. But Jackson Dart, better quarterback than Jaden Daniels. I think Daniels makes a couple boneheaded mistakes, or he's more likely to. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he has a really good week, kind of like what he did against Mississippi State. I think he's much more likely, though, to make a mistake than Jackson Dart is. And because of that, i like Ole Miss to win this game outright. They're at home. Okay, Oxford, tough place to go in and win. Ole Miss wins outright, 45-41. This game crushes the over. This game, there's going to be points all over the place. Cannot wait to watch it. Going to have very similar, like, Pac-12 after dark fields. Okay, no defense being played whatsoever. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So give me Ole Miss... At least to cover. I like them to win outright, though. Um, they win this game, 45-41. Finally, one more like big game this week. There's a couple other games that are kind of interesting uh, that I didn't put any bets on, but I will be paying attention to. Notre Dame going on the road to take on Duke. Notre Dame favored by 5.5 in this one. The over-under set at 51.5. Notre Dame's coming off a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. They're 4-1 now. Meanwhile, Duke continues to march down the unbeaten path. They're 4-0. And in this wonderful world full of Caleb Williams and Drake May and Shadur Sanders, people very quickly forget about Riley Leonard. Big, fast, accurate, athletic. He's the best quarterback in this game. He's better than Sam Hartman. And after watching what Clemson did against Florida State, I have a newfound respect for the Duke Blue Devils. After watching Notre Dame collapse against the Buckeyes, I've kind of pulled off of them a little bit. Part of this is just like a gut pick. Like this is just, I can feel it kind of happening. The other part of me thinks that Ohio State's going to beat Notre Dame twice. That game was physical. It was physical and emotional. And now they got to recoup to go on the road to take on the nerds at Duke. Give me Duke to win this game. I'm definitely going to take them to cover the five and a half. But I think Duke wins the game outright, 31-28 in a really close affair. That game hits the over. And I'm just not confident enough to take the money line, but I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Duke won this game at home. Okay, Riley Leonard going to have a big game. Can't wait to see it. Uh, once again, the record on this year, 3-4. and four, Hoping to improve on that this week. Go like, you know, 3-0, and oh, get us up to 7-4 on the season. Wouldn't mind that. Wouldn't mind that. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the NFL Week 4. A lot of good games on the NFL this week. Can't wait to get into it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. (laughs) NFL Week 4. got some really good, really interesting matchups starting tonight. Thursday Night Football, Detroit going on the road to take on Green Bay. This is one of my picks for the week. We're going to come back, and we're going to hit all my picks at the end, the five games that I pick. Every single week, so we're going to come back to that at the end. Atlanta, going on the road, technically. This game is going to be played in London to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Big game here. Atlanta looking to improve to 3-1. and one. Jacksonville looking to avoid falling to 1-3. Big game here for Jacksonville. They need to win it. They should win it. Then again, I felt like they should have beat the Texans last week, going into it at least. And then they got outplayed the entire game. So, who really knows what's going to happen here? I am going to take Jacksonville, though, back-pressed against the wall, better quarterback, probably better coach, even though Arthur Smith's doing a really good job in Atlanta this year. Moving on, Denver going on the road to take on Chicago. It's the Toilet Bowl. Okay, These are two really bad football teams. Both are 0-3. Both teams have a chance to grab a win here. I'll be honest, Justin Fields, really, really bad. Not a very good quarterback at all. Denver going on the road here. Doesn't matter. I think that they respond well after getting absolutely embarrassed. You know, that's one of the things that we like to do here. We like to pick teams. They get embarrassed the week prior. I think Denver responds in a big way. I think Russell Wilson plays better than Justin Fields. Isn't saying much, but hey, Bronco fans, take it and be happy with it. Broncos should be able to go on the road and beat Chicago. Cincinnati plays at Tennessee. Just, I don't really care about who wins this game. Um I really don't. I think Cincinnati's going to win, but the real reason to watch this is Joe Burrow. How does he look on that calf? He threw the ball 59 times on Monday, or maybe it was 49. Uh, way too many times, considering how banged up he is the other night. If he keeps having to throw the ball that much, it's going to be really interesting to see how long he lasts during this season. Uh, Tampa Bay going on the road to take on New Orleans, another divisional matchup. Not sure if Derek Carr is playing in this one or not. If he is, I like New Orleans. If not, I guess I'll take Tampa Bay. I think we saw Tampa Bay for who they really were when they played the Eagles, and that is an average football team at best. Okay, sorry. Any team quarterbacked by Baker Mayfield, I have no faith in. Next game, Washington going on the road to take on Philadelphia. You know, cool game, I guess. Philadelphia should win this game pretty handily. You know, Washington, I still think that they're tough just given their pass rush. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this game unfolds. Minnesota going on the road to take on Carolina. Another game I don't really care that much about. Neither one of these teams are going to make the playoffs. It's Kirk Cousins. Bryce Young, if he plays this week, that, that'll that be the only reason that I watch. Honestly, don't really care about it that much. Pittsburgh playing Houston. I'm interested. Sorry, CJ Stroud, you've got me interested in these games. Okay, even though Pittsburgh should win this game pretty handily. Uh, I. I'm hoping Kenny Pickett can finally figure it out, right? I mean, he ended the season so well last year and just hasn't started very well this year. Uh, this Pittsburgh defense should give C.J. Stroud all that he can handle as a rookie, but C.J. Stroud has looked by far, I think, the best of all these rookie quarterbacks. You know, through the first three games, obviously still a lot of, still a lot of season left. Going to be plenty of time for other guys to improve or for teams to figure C.J. Stroud out. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh should win that game. Pretty handily. Las Vegas going on the road to take on the Chargers. Not touching this game. okay? Rule Another rule here at Shooting the Schmidt, we don't touch the Chargers because their games are always weird. Like The Chargers are better than the Raiders, but I don't know because it's Brandon Staley and it's the Chargers and they're cursed and they lose in weird ways. So gut telling me to pick the the Chargers, but we'll see what ends up happening. New England going on the road to take on Dallas going to be a really interesting game because we know about how talented this Dallas defense is. They got embarrassed last week, so I expect them to respond well and win this football game. But at the same time, like it's Bill Belichick against an offense in Dallas that has not looked very good. And if this game ended up being like 13-6 to and Dallas wins, or shoot, New England wins 13-6, to it wouldn't be surprising. I expect this game to be really low-scoring. Two really good defenses going at it. We'll be tuning into that one. Arizona going on the road to take on San Francisco. Biggest line of the week. believe San Francisco is favored by like 13.5. Makes sense. San Francisco, probably the best team in the NFC so far this season. Arizona, though, been surprisingly good. Okay, I was making a big deal to start the season about Josh Dobbs and how I'm not picking any team quarterback by Josh Dobbs to do anything. And then they've looked Okay, in, elite, in every game that they've played, like lose by four in week one, they crush the Giants in the first half of week two. Week three, they beat the Cowboys. And now they're playing San Francisco, who is the best team that they've played so far. And I expect for the 49ers' defense to give Josh Dobbs all that he can handle. But hey, I'll be honest, he's looked way better than what I thought he would. Got to tip my cap to him. Josh Dobbs doing a solid job for the Cardinals. And then I'm picking the Sunday Night Football game, Kansas City, New York. And then finally, Monday Night Football, only one this week. I wish there were two. It's fine. Seattle going on the road to take on the Giants. We'll see. I just, I don't know what to make of the Giants. I'm sitting here waiting on Brian Dable to figure it out because he's a smart coach that we were talking about and putting him with the likes of Shanahan last year. And he just, they just haven't been great. They haven't been. So hopefully the Giants figure it out this week and they give us a good game on Monday night. Moving on to my picks. NFL Week 4 picks. Here are my five picks for the week. Let's start with tonight's game, Thursday night football. Thursday night games, they're always ugly. There's not very much time to prepare. Players are still a little banged up from the games on Sunday. And because of that, I don't like taking first-year starting quarterbacks in these games. I'm taking the Lions here. I still don't know if Jordan Love's good or not, okay? I know what I'm getting from Jared Goff in this Lions offense. It's also September, and they're playing in Green Bay, so weather shouldn't be that big of a deal on Thursday night, okay? We saw the Lions go into Lambeau Field and win last year when the conditions did matter. The Lions are simply a better football team. They're much improved defensively. I think they win this game pretty handily, 28-17, to which will barely hit the under, which is set at 45 half. Lions obviously cover the 1.5-point spread, if I'm right with that score. The next game. This is the game that everybody's really excited about. Everybody's talking about this game. The Dolphins going on the road to take on the Bills. The Bills are favored by three points. Once again, I didn't mention this at the start. All these lines brought to you by FanDuel. You can probably find different lines on other places. Overrunner for this game, set at 53.5. Everyone's excited. Everybody's talking about this Miami Dolphins offense. They just put up seventy points against the Broncos. That's all I've heard all week. As a Dolphins fan, it's been great to hear to a t- to a uh, Tua Tugavailoa, leading MVP candidate. People keep telling me. Meanwhile, no one's talking about this Bills team who just beat the Washington Commanders thirty-seven to three, and has one of the best quarterbacks in the league on their team. Pure gut pick here. The Bills, they're going to win this football game. Pretty easy. Not maybe not pretty easily. But I think they win, and I think that they cover. They played well to start the season. Here's the issue. They played in prime time week one, and Josh Allen threw three picks, and they lost to the Jets, quarterbacked by Zach Wilson. From that moment on, people haven't been talking about the Bills. They are underrated as of right now. They're a little undersized on defense, but they're really fast, and that should allow them to match up with this explosive, speed-based Miami Dolphins offense. On the other side of the ball, Dolphins haven't quite figured it out on defense yet, as talented as they are. Vic Fangio, got to get it going. They got to figure it out this week if they want to have a chance against this Bills offense that we know can score points. Bills win, and they cover the three points, 34-28, to which will hit the over. Rams-Colts. I'll be at this game. Really excited for it. The Rams, they didn't look great on Monday Night Football. Offensive line couldn't block. They got some injuries up front. Matthew Stafford looked flustered. And there's only so much Sean McVay can do. Okay, if the offensive line isn't blocking, then it doesn't matter what Sean McVay schemes up. doesn't matter if Matthew Stafford's healthy or not. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Colts, meanwhile, have gotten off to a great start, surprisingly. Anthony Richardson should be back under center, which brings a whole new element to this offense with the quarterback run game. It's going to be interesting how the Rams defend this Colts offense. I don't think the Rams are going to be able to protect Stafford. And Shane Steichen, new Colts head coach, Best, best coaching hire of the offseason so far. He's figured out a way to score against every team the Colts have played so far this season. I like the Colts to win and cover. They win 24 21. you know that puts us at 45 points so I am I am taking the under here. Next game, I, I, I got two left for you. Ravens of the Browns. Browns are favored by two and a half over on under, under on this game is at 40 and a half. They're expecting this to be a, a, a defensive affair in Las Vegas. These two are the best defenses in the NFL. Okay, the Browns might have the best defense in the NFL. Probably them or Dallas or the 49ers. And that's why they're favored in this one. Deshaun Watson finally played a good game last week against the Titans. Meanwhile, the Ravens lost a really weird game to the Colts. You know, Lamar Jackson, though, has looked I think he's looked really good all year. I like their defense as well. This is gonna be a really interesting game because it's strength on strength. No one has ran the ball well against this Browns team, and the Ravens run the ball as well as, if not better than, anyone else in the NFL, okay? I think the Ravens win this battle. I think they find ways to run the ball against everyone. Lamar has thrown the ball really well this year. He's won games from the pocket due to his elusiveness. I think this Browns pass rush isn't going to be as effective because there's no one in the league who who extends plays like Lamar Jackson, okay? And I also don't expect this Browns offense to move the ball super well Against this Ravens defense. In a low scoring game, Ravens cover and win outright. 23 20, barely hits the over. or Yeah, ba- barely hits the over right at 43 points. Final game of the week. I'm picking the Sunday night football game. Chiefs, Jets, Chiefs minus nine and a half, over under set at 42 and a half. The line should be bigger. Nine and a half is, I think, ridiculously small. Okay, the Chiefs are going to win this game by at least two touchdowns. The most underrated unit in the NFL this year is this Chiefs defense. They're top ten in defensive DVOA. Chris Jones, one of the best players in the NFL. Dare I say the best defensive player in the NFL. The guy is so good. Okay, the rest of this defense has played awesome. The Chiefs have done a really good job drafting and developing defensive talent over these past couple of years. And now these guys, like they've played some games. They know the system. This defense is really good. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to be Superman every game for them to win, even though he's probably going to be Superman because he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. Okay? Andy Reid continues to be one of the best coaches in football. I like the Chiefs to violate the Jets very similarly to how they violated the Bears last week. Okay, the Chiefs win and cover. 38-14, I don't think this game is close. I think Zach Wilson turns the football over multiple times. As good as this Jets defense is, at some point, when you lose faith in your quarterback, everything else seems to go downhill. I think that that starts to happen this week. Congrats to Taylor Swift. You're going to see your guy Travis Kelsey win two games back-to-back. Got to love it. Got to love it. Uh, oh, didn't mention this at the start, the record on the year. 3-2. Went 3-2 and two last week. We're going to keep it rolling here here with the NFL picks. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast as a whole. can wait to come back on Monday and break down all the craziness from the weekend. Until then, I'm Jonathan Smith. This has been Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I'll talk to you all on Monday.